0: How are you feeling? Uh,
1: It's been a struggle. It's been a struggle. (laughs) I mean, I nearly made it the whole season and it was the very, very final week that got me in the end. So, yeah, uh, a bit of a struggle, but uh, it's done now because I was on the Turin team, as I said last week. So, uh, uh, Davis Cup is over for me, even though it's still going. Semi-finals day today, I believe.
0: It feels like it's been going a long time. The problem is, especially in our profession, when the voice goes, the voice goes and you can protect it, but once it's gone... There is nothing you can do. It's gone.
1: Yeah, it it totally went uh, on the Saturday, which was our long day because we had six matches to do. Um, So my poor rest of the team. I mean, I tried. I did five games and it was just so awful to listeners everywhere that were tweeting in saying i don't know about this uh, so, <laughs> so i had to stop uh, and i had to leave it up to them which was uh, yeah i know it was a, a
0: shame but uh, i still watched the tennis i just couldn't speak which is an issue with my job i was trying to think of all these remedies for you because i've suffered with it over the years and i was telling you find some honey any honey take it get some chamomile, gargle with salt you're like i'm trying at one point how much honey had you stashed from the hotel
1: Oh yeah, you know you get those little jars <laughs> in the morning. I, I, I basically had a backpack full of honey, <laughs> and I texted you being like, "Is this is too? Is, too okay, oh, is it possible to have too much honey?" No, and I, I'm not sure I was quite doing it right because ha- access to hot water when you're up at the top of a commentary box was not um, not easy. You had to keep running up and down. There was a lot of steps to get up because you know we're, we're at the very, very, very top of the, the stadium. Uh, so I was just eating honey thinking this will help <laughs> <laughs> just eating honey out of the jars that Ew, was just okay. pouring in my mouth um, and thinking that that might help but no it was it was very frustrating I mean it will look it was fab to be in Turin working on Davis Cup uh, for sure I was very very frustrated I mean you, I mean you know how it is you just it's so frustrating that you can't work especially being on site at the tournament um, you know we haven't had a lot of that recently, and uh, yeah, I was—I uh, I must say—I did throw a bit of a strop and a bit of a sulk <laughs> on the Saturday, um, and then and then the poor guys um, who were having to pick up the slack because I couldn't do anything—we had the longest day <laughs> you could ever imagine. I mean, play, st- play started at 10 a.m. and finished at 3 a.m. It was unbelievable. Wow. So uh, yeah, so then it was just a few hours, and then we were back in action the next day, and then we had another long day. It was all going on in Turin we were we were absolutely having the lengthiest match because you never know with tennis we had six matches and five of them were three set matches I think four of them were six in the third so it was it was pretty epic uh you know to be honest so yeah I mean look it was uh it was so much fun and uh yeah really enjoyable it was just a shame that for part of it it was a bit of a struggle for me
0: well I'm glad you got your voice back because tennis look the my Instagram might be filled with players in the Maldives on beaches having yeah. well-earned rests but it doesn't mean why don't
1: they just do exhibitions in the Maldives would that not let's just they're all there Let's just pop
0: an exhibition on wasn't there one year when isn't it Marin Cilic bumped into Novak Djokovic on an island in the Maldives and wasn't it something like that And they just hit yeah they had a hit because didn't Marin Cilic have a spare racket and they just had a hit you think I I imagine that would be the last thing that you would want to do in your very very tiny off-season break well, this is the only way these people communicate with each other <laughs> through hitting balls at each other. So they're the only thing they know how to do. Actually, that's true. So, but you'd think that, that tennis would go slightly quieter because, as I say, all the, the Maldive photos are coming in. But this week, tennis in the UK was on the, on the front pages for two reasons. Now, one, yes. largely UK focus because it was the former British number no. one Johanna Konta deciding that the time had come and she was she was stepping away retiring from tennis which we'll get to the other one the more global story is the suspension of all events in china and hong kong by the the wta over the ongoing pung shui situation a brave bold but you feel right decision by steve simon and the wta yeah, we let's let's focus on that
1: one for now. It's sort of
0: difficult to flip-flop
1: between that and, and Conta's career, <laughs> to, to be honest. But um, yeah, it's incredible. I just think it is so impressive. I, I really felt like, you know, I was saying in the last pod, once they had made their demands, it was just, well, that's just never going to happen. So they're going to have to pull out. It was just, a they have to. I mean, look, they've pulled out for this year. So that's going to cost them tens of millions of dollars and let's make no mistake about it, cost the players that much money as well, because it's, you know, a lot of that is prize money that the players will not be able to get. We had a fantastic tournament in Guadalajara for the WTA tour finals in place of Shenzhen, nothing to do with Peng Shui, but just because we couldn't go to Shenzhen, the prize pool was absolutely nothing in comparison to the $4.6 million the winner would have won in Shenzhen. Muguruza did not pick that up. So it's it's going to hurt the players and it's going to hurt hurt the tour. Um, but they, I think they had no choice really. But it's still pretty amazing, you know. I mean, how many other Western companies have have stood up to, to China and and for for what they're doing? Maybe it's different because this is sort of like a company who has an employee who is being treated in, in a situation that they are they're not happy with. But is it the first time this has happened? I don't know. It's uh, yeah, it's extraordinary.
0: It's huge and it made global news. And I think when we were talking the pod last week, there was an air about us when we were discussing the situation in that China will do what China will do. And does China really care about what everyone else is thinking about the situation? Probably not. What this does do, it keeps it very much out there, this story. It means it's still very much a story that everybody is talking about, it's Big, brave and bold by the WTA because the deal with China, I think already one of the sponsors has asked to be removed from the WTA website. And, and as you said, Shenzhen, that deal only recently signed and and the prize pot there for the players. But what this does, it keeps the story out there because there was a worry because we had seen the videos that they had released of, of Peng Shui at some tournaments and the IOC, the first conversation, the still of her on the video call that... A number of people were satisfied that she was she was well, she was alive and that China would do what China would do. I think what this has done is, is stepped it up again. So the IOC have said they've had another call with Peng Shuai. Now, this time we don't get a still. We don't get anything other than we have spoken to her and we're going to try and meet with her in person next month. Which... Why?
1: Why are the IOC doing it? She doesn't know the IOC. The IOC is not the WTA. They're entirely different. I mean, it's just, it It doesn't, not, none of it makes, and just let the WJ speak to her and then we can move forward. Like, that. that's just it. I mean, I can't see, as I said last week, for me, there is absolutely no resolution to this. I, I, like, there, there's no way. I, I do think that China care what people think because they are releasing these pictures and they are trying to get everybody to calm down about it. They're just not doing a good enough job because but, they're but not do they, doing what's being
0: asked of them. Do, do they care what people think or are they just trying to, get people just to stop talking about it do they want it to yeah, go no, away I think they... They... Do, do they actually is care the right word because do they care or are they just trying to say look she's fine everybody go about your business
1: no I, I think they care what people think um, are they going to change the way that they govern and their policies um, because of what the WTA want absolutely not and that means that the, the WTA are not going to get what they want out of this pung shui situation you know whether any sort of compromise can be made possibly for future years for this year, it's clear it's not happening because they're just like we haven't heard anything you know just we haven't heard a thing um apart from stuff that they you know are saying is nonsense so yeah i i i I don't know the only chance really of there being tournaments in the future with China is if some compromise can be made because There is no way the WTA are going to have their demands met. Absolutely no way. But very impressive from Steve Simon. Interesting that ATP and ITF have not really gone with him with their statements. Um, They are not against them, but they just don't want to take, I think, such drastic action so early. I think they sort of want to see where this is going. Um, So they're they're very supportive of the WTA. So, you know, I would say that. But... um, It's definitely a much more muted response from ITF and ATP.
0: Yeah, a friend of ours, Reem, who's working on the Davis Cup, asked Daniel Medvedev about the situation and about ATP not withdrawing from China as of now. And his answer was, look, if we had to play in China next week, some of us would feel uncomfortable. About the situation,'re obviously waiting to see how it develops if it develops, I think the i o c the ridiculous thing about the i o c is with the Winter Olympics happening in Beijing at the start of next year, it just feels so cynical everything they 're doing as you, as you said, yes, they will say that um, Shuai is an Olympian, so therefore we have a right to have a say in this as the WTA will say look she's one of ours so the IOC will say look as a as a former Olympian we can get involved in this but you know everyone is just shaking their head at at these statements coming out from the IOC because they have so much invested in the winter olympics taking place in beijing next month it's honestly it's
1: it's like it's like they're not even trying like that's <laughs> it's that's just... the thing it's, i mean they're not even trying to make it seem like sort of plausible in any way it's just it's just it's absolute madness um and yeah as i say i think this is gonna rumble on and it will end up um as i say it will end up with a compromise from the wta and then there'll be tournaments beyond that and then atp and itf will continue with their events in the country Uh, or it will end with the wta pulling out permanently and then it will be, there'll be a lot of pressure on the ITF and ATP to see what they would then do, um, whether they would uh, follow follow with them or, or not, because that would be quite extraordinary. We've talked a lot about ATP and WTA coming together recently, a little bit more, getting on side. You know, this is one of the WTA players is, uh, you know, in this situation. Um, will the ATP and ITF... Um, go along with whatever the WTA response is. At the moment, they seem to be sort of just going cautiously, uh, whereas the WCA has clearly made the decision that if this costs us tens of millions, hundreds of millions, that's what it's going to do because the safety of our players is, of course, you know, the biggest thing. This is the biggest sport in the world for women uh, in a number of ways. Um, and she was at the very top of it.
0: A couple of quotes from... CEO of the WTA, Steve Simon, one which I thought really stood out. I hope she knows that none of this is her fault. Because on the flip side of this, with the WTA suspending the tournaments in China, what effect will that have on Chinese players? Will they be allowed to come out and play other tournaments? Will they be held back? So, you know, there's... for for Peng Shuai, who's already dealing with a lot with the allegations that she's made. We don't know exactly the situation for her, believe her to be in Beijing. But now she might get a certain person or group of people saying, Well, now you're jeopardizing the future of X, Y, and Z because China might say, Right, our players aren't gonna come out and play at your tournament. So I think it was I think it was really important the WTA doing the right thing, but Steve Simon to say that I hope she knows that none of this is her fault.
1: Yeah, and you can understand, you know, that you would sort of blame yourself because you'd just be sitting there thinking, "Oh, if I hadn't said nothing, nothing, nothing will be happening if I yeah. just gone about a business, but that is such a typical thing of that's why people keep quiet about so much uh of the difficulties that they deal with, whether it's abuse or even if it's mental health issues, whatever it is. it's because of what that will cause and the disruption that causes to everybody else, the worry, the emotions it, you know you might you know you might want to be leaving an abusive relationship and that ruins everything for the family and logistically where are you going to live you know all of these things just seem so overwhelming and that's why people keep quiet and you know actually it is the brave thing to to take it on and then you know and deal with uh deal with the consequences so I'm really glad I I've been so impressed with the way that Steve Simon has spoken about this like so impressed I'm sure he's being um advised by you know a team of experts on it as well um, but I think that he really has sort of ticked every box, you know, just repeating that, you know, that the WTA are ready to offer as much support to her as needed, that it's not her fault. that They're totally behind her, that we're more than happy to pull out of China, like whatever it is, um, because it's just unacceptable. Um, so, yeah, it, it'll, it'll be it'll be fascinating to see how it plays out. I think um, I think it's a tough one to call like my money would, I don't know, as I say, I think it's between, coming, between them coming to a compromise and
0: then WTA pulling out. But I think probably they'll just end up going. Well, one thing it does, it shows fantastic leadership from Steve Simon. And he said, one thing we can't do is walk away from this because you imagine the courage of what it took for Peng Shui to come out with the allegations of abuse that she suffered. I mean, imagine the courage that that took And as we talked about last week, she didn't sort of fly out the country and do it from afar and then stay safe somewhere else. She released her statement on social media in Beijing, in China, probably knowing that there would be an intense fallout to this. So she has been as brave as she has been. And she obviously got to the point where she needed to say something. She needed to vocalize it. She needed to put it out there. And now the WTA are almost rewarding that bravery, saying you have been that brave to do that we are going to stand with you. And I think that's fantastic. And it keeps, it, it keeps us talking about it because after we did see that still and the videos of her at a couple of junior tournaments, I noticed on social media, a lot of people who had the picture of hashtag where is Peng Shui, they put it back to the normal one, which is absolutely fair enough. And, and a lot of people were satisfied. Well, she's, she's alive and that was the big thing. So that's, that's fine. And, and other things happen in the world and things do move on to an extent. Maybe China was hoping that would happen that would move on to something else and it would still be there, but it wouldn't be such a big thing. What this from the WT has done has kept it front and centre. Steve Simon has been speaking to news outlets across the world in the last two or three days. We've had the statements from the ITF and, and ATP. There's you know, it's it's back in the forefront, which which is where it needs to be and, and with the Beijing Olympics as that gets close to the Winter Olympics, it's gonna be really interesting to see how this does how this does play out I like you am, I'm sort of doubtful it's going to be the result that maybe we're all looking for but I, it can only be a good thing the stance that the WTA has taken and you know we just hope that Peng Shui continues to be safe and that she's not being held against her her will and there is some resolution to this
1: What about um, the players what have we heard from players? Because I've seen a few on social media, and look, I'm not going to say that social media is everything, because it's not. But it's only, you know, that and sort of press conferences, as you know, you said Mebudev was asked about it. Um, you know, we've had a few people who've either been asked about it at Davis Cup because they're playing or we've had a few people on social media. But it hasn't been overwhelming support for the WTA that we've, as I say, that we've seen on social media. People might be very happy with it um, and supportive in the background. You don't have to post everything on social media. I don't post anything. <laughs> like, it's, it doesn't mean that I'm not, not supporting it. right? So, um, But it, it did just strike me as, of course, everybody very much got behind the where is Peng Shuai situation and then since this WTA announcement there have been a few players that have said yep yeah, great absolutely a couple of men's players as well
0: and then um a few uh, then it just I don't know does it feel a bit light to you maybe they just feel that they they don't need to say anything in this instance when you're looking for someone who is feared missing maybe you have to be where is she you change the hashtag you 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 build up the the traffic you want to find out where she's maybe to something like this they just didn't I mean I saw like Sir Petra with the with the hand clap saying well done a, a number of former players have come out as you mentioned Djokovic was asked about it Medvedev was asked about it etc maybe they just feel that they don't need to all come out and say because I can't imagine there's any one of them out there thinking this isn't the right thing to do well it could be they're going to lose millions of dollars Wow. Well, Realistically, that
1: is one of the reasons. That's why it's so impressive what the WTA have done is because they will lose so much money. But, you know, Let's, as I say, let's not beat around the bush. They will be under pressure now to go and find that money somewhere else. And it's very unlikely you can get the, the sort of investment you get from China from other places, yeah. unless you then go to the Middle East and, and, and whatever else. But, I, you know, I, I'm not saying that anybody is annoyed about it. I'm just saying that that, that absolutely could be an option um, I'd, because...
0: I'd love to have a conversation with that player, if that player exists, that is slightly annoyed that they could lose out on millions because it just it doesn't make sense because there is so much money in tennis there is there are so many tournaments and yes it does make up a big chunk and as an association the the WTA could be in a very perilous situation without the money from from China and Hong Kong but in terms of individual players you know the the amount the living they can make from just the grand slams alone that do not touch asia and and yes there's that huge pot in Shenzhen but it's only a handful of players the, the players that qualify for Shenzhen in that pot make millions throughout the year. So when they get to Shenzhen, it's a wonderful end to the year to make that money. But it doesn't really make a difference. You know, those players sure. who it would make a massive difference to, they they wouldn't get anywhere near it. So I think, yeah, the, the WTA, I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if there's people within the WTA senior level who are biting fingernails and, and rocking in their seats because they wonder, will they get through this? How will they get through this? Where will they get the funding and the money they lose in China, from but in terms of players, I wouldn't I wouldn't see that as a reason for silence because they can make a very good living. And as I say, those who are making them, the, the the worry would be for those players within China who may now feel that they won't be allowed to travel and have their career. I guess if there's yeah,
1: are they good? Are they going to be allowed to play? Exactly. Because that would yeah. be the obvious retaliation, yes. right? From the Chinese exactly. government is to say, right, no one's playing. Um, and look, and 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 and. And let's make no no mistake. It was not that long ago that there were plenty of Chinese players playing, including Li Na, and the Chinese government was taking their earnings. They were effectively on a sort of a base salary, and anything they earned went back to the Chinese Chinese government. That's sort of how they have operated with athletes for uh, a long time, and it, and it took quite a, a while before they were allowed to even keep their earnings. Uh, so I think they would have absolutely no issue in saying, right, no more players then, because th- that's how they view it is that they're theirs. They really do own them. Um, and uh, and as I say, what what they say goes. So, yeah, it'll be interesting um, to see if there is
0: any retaliation or if they just sort of
1: go, OK, fine, we'll leave it there.
0: I think so. So for me, if they were, if we're just talking purely players, if they're only players that were sort of against or not sure if the WTA were doing the right thing, they would be the only players I could think of because they could be the players who would be affected, which is why I think Steve Simon made yeah. that comment saying she has to remember none of this is her fault. It's uh look, I hope we keep talking about it. Yeah. I hope there's a, I hope there's a resolution. I
1: would just say as well that um, I don't think that any players are annoyed about the money. <laughs> I really don't think that, but I do. I just think that, um, as I say, people don't have to put their um, opinions on, on social media, but we have a, group of players that do do that quite regularly and did, you know, talk about where is Pong Shui originally. So you just would think they would sort of either back up the the WTA even as the you know the ATP and ITF have backed them up although it's a it's a fairly cautious response they have essentially backed them up so you're not really going out on a limb to say sort of well done WTA um just for me has felt a a little light on it but then as you say everyone's in the Maldives maybe
0: they're just having a lovely time they're like great she's safe back to the beach the other story that was well dominated especially in the UK but it it also it would have reached out in the tennis world on a global scale because she's a former world number four and she got to the semi-finals of, of three of the four grand slams is is Johanna Conte retiring and and for many it's come out of the blue for those close to her not so much I remember doing a, a five live show with her it wasn't so long ago was it and then afterwards she went and did a few days for Amazon I remember thinking is she planning for life after tennis and it was quite interesting during the show on five live we were we were talking about something and I think it was I think I think Russell my colleague Russell was asking her about the future and when she'd come back and any thoughts about retiring and she was sort of said oh you know I'm no and I said I have to say Joe when you look at your Instagram you wouldn't necessarily know you're a tennis player because it said I love I think it's dogs baking and family she said does it does it not show tennis and I said well it shows a lot of interest but tennis isn't the thing that that stands out so it's possibly and you would assume because she recently got engaged didn't she that she has been planning and maybe it's a combination of the body because we know she's been suffering in recent times with injury and just getting to a place in her life where she sees a future past tennis.
1: Yeah, I think she's just done with it. I think she just wants to have yeah. a family, settle down and, and and do all of that. And now there are some players that are yeah. more than happy to have a family and then go on the road with them. We see that with Serena, Victoria Azarenka, yeah. yeah. some of the guys do as well. Um, you know, you've got, um, you know, musicians touring. They'll take their kids on tour and that's fine. But then a lot of people, you know, I put myself in that camp and Conta's clearly in that camp, would like to be settled with a family and not live a nomadic lifestyle um, you know, in that sort of situation, you just want to have your roots. You've 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 been all over the place for the, all of your life. I mean, Conta's you know grown up in, in all different countries, and and uh, you know she is settled, and I'm sure she wants that sort of grounding. For me, it's been a long time coming. The first instance was for me was Roland Garros last year, so that's what just over a year ago, October 2020, or September October yeah October 2020, and mm. she um, she said. Are we? Are, uh, I think she said something in an interview where she she was they were talking about the restrictions and the new the, the new tournaments and the bubbles and stuff. And she said, "Yeah, I mean, it seems like you know we're not going to go back to normal within um, uh, within the rest of my playing career." And um, I, or she said something like, "Oh, we may I may never get to play a normal tournament again in the rest of my career." Basically, she was saying that and at the time we sort of thought that it was going to be going on for a you know maybe a year we thought that maybe 2021 would be affected now we're sort of thinking oh god okay here we still going still going but at the time I don't think anybody anticipated that 2022 would be disrupted with bubbles and limited crowds and that sort of thing but you know here we are um and I, when she said that I thought okay she's she's absolutely winding down and um she's had the knee issues and then the fact that there haven't been brilliant crowds um you know it was devastating for her to have missed Wimbledon of course when she tested positive to COVID and and when I think I said to you with the testing positive for COVID at Wimbledon oh no she didn't sorry her team member did close contact um I was I was like I think that would have been her last Wimbledon and she's not she's not been able to play um, I thought that it's it was so going sad. to be her last one. Yeah. So I think she's been winding down for a while. It's the right time. It's the end of the season. Does she want to do an off-season, pre-season training, work on things, <laughs> get set for... Oh, no, she's, she's done and um, I'm thrilled for her. She's had a fantastic career. And she really is an example in maximising. You know, no one in British tennis thought that she could be a top 10 tennis player, let alone four in the world. And, you know, a Miami champion... Absolutely extraordinary. Semi-finals of slams on the edge of the final of the French Open. She hadn't even won a match at the French Open before that year. It was just, it's just, yeah, she, I, I have so much admiration for her. You know, I know her, but I don't know her that well. I played against her in the early days. You know, I've been around her trading. When I see her, we stop and we talk dogs because <laughs> she's got dogs. She's got four dogs now. I mean, that is just madness to me. Um, I've got one. Uh, so we, we talk about that. Um, And uh, she's always been really, really lovely.
0: I know we had dog chat when she came in for the show. And I'm, uh, you know, I'm not good with dog chat. I don't have dog, don't really understand dogs. I'd probably choose cats over dogs. Just repeat everything you've heard me say. I I was just just like, well, I sort of treat them because for some people before or if they don't have children, it's sort of a similar thing. isn't They treat them like they're children, right? Some people can treat dogs like children. Yeah, yeah. so yeah. I sort of yeah. have those kind of you know oh, are they sweet? What are they called? Sort of questions you'd ask people with babies. It's a similar thing with dogs. Oh, how many do you have? How old are they are? How old are they? What are their names? Yeah. Um So and, and you do speak to a lot of people, and they say they know her, but not not necessarily that well. But everyone admires everything she's done. I mean, the way she worked. I know she talked about the process, and yes, it, it did get frustrating interviewing her because you know, you wanted her just to say when she got to semifinals in Australia, it's incredible. It's amazing. And I've called home, but it was, it's a process and it's the next match. And, and when you're interviewing someone and and you want that quote, you're like, ah, just give me something. But it was, it was something that really worked for her. Oh, she compartmentalized
1: things extraordinarily well well, because she was sort of stuck between 100 and 200 um, for some time. And, You know, and she did have quite a lot of anxieties and a lot of tension when she was on the match. And I I really loved, um, I really loved her, um, I don't want to call it a speech, what she wrote about finishing her career. Yeah, her message, excellent. Her message, I thought it was brilliant because she talked about the fact that the right people came along at the right time because it is so crucial and that does. You know, mean that that is a little bit of luck, and actually, she only found Esteban Kirill because she was forced to move her training from the NTC because the centralized program was disbanded. They didn't want a centralized program at the NTC; they want everybody to do their own thing. So she had to go and seek out people. She found Esteban. She was out there in. Uh, she went out to Spain to work with him, and it. And then she was just off. It was sort of the push that she needed, but she wouldn't have done it without the push. She would have stayed at the NTC. And it's not to say that things at the NTC were bad. It's just about what works for you and having the right, as she said, the right coaches at the right time. You know, sometimes players have the best the, the, the best coach, the right coach for them, but it's just not the right time. The player is not in the headspace to take on board the information they need. They're just sort of trying to get through things. But she was ready. She's absolutely fantastic. I mean, what a role model, I, you know, and I, I agree with you that it, it did get a little bit frustrating because she was kind of repeating the same things in interviews. But, you know, that's not her expertise. Her expertise is playing tennis, and actually, that whole sort of persona that she created it really sort of helped her keep a lid on her anxieties because she had go-to responses, she had go-to um, everything, and she was being honest. you know, the, the thing is, the process is so boring. Like, it just, it is, it is repetitions. It is, don't get too negative. It's do it again. It's do it better. It's think about how you can develop. You know, you've taken a loss, right, be bummed about it. But then, you know, an hour later, right, what are we doing? It's all about the next goal, the next thing. It's looking ahead. And it is really boring, but it works, you know. It's like some people will look at Djokovic's game, and and this isn't what I think, but people will say, oh, this game is just so like it's, everything's just so consistent, there are just no weaknesses. He doesn't do anything that is particularly sort of magical, with the exception of the movement. Um, he doesn't have the finesse of Federer or, or whatever it is, or the forehand of Kyrgios. And uh, you know, people will say like, oh, you know, it's dull. It's not like, well. It works. Like that is what it is. It's about repetitions. It's about consistency, quality, um, and uh, yeah. And I, that's the thing is that she was sort of being honest that is what they talk about that's what she was delivering so oh uh, she you know she's she's been absolutely fantastic it's time for a new era in british tennis but she broke a load of records and she's uh, had a fantastic career and i'm delighted that she's been able to achieve it
0: do you see her staying in tennis she'll obviously want to step away she's got a, a wedding to plan and and things in the near future but do you see her as someone that whether it's on the coaching side of things or, or commentary or work in the media side of things, do you see her staying in the game?
1: Yeah, I think so. Uh, I think possibly a light touch staying in the game. I don't think she's going to sort of dive in. Okay. I don't think we're going to see her back out on tour in a couple of years time coaching or anything like that, <laughs> as we do with many players. Um, but I I think she will stay involved, but I think she'll be very selective with what, she's, um, what she does. I think she'll probably do a bit of punditry. Because everybody wants to know what she's got to say about things. Um hopefully she can give us yeah. more than the process because as much as it is <laughs> it is the truth, <laughs> we are gonna need something else. Um but no, I think she'll be uh she'll be great at that. Um yeah, I think she's gonna dip in here and there and uh, and take her time with it and then enjoy her life. But she also has her other businesses that she's got outside of tennis, so she's she's absolutely fine. Um but yeah, I do hope that she does stay involved uh a bit.
0: And can I just say in terms of those players, sports people who have the family and travel with them. My only experience of that was when the, the twins were six months old and I went to Australia with them, wanted to work on the Australian Open. My other half came along and I think we both said never again. No, we're not in Federal's League. We can't have a nanny per child, which would definitely make things easier. But it was, <laughs> boy, that was tough because you don't switch off. You, you can't and also
1: you don't have access to like the crèche that they have on site and that sort of thing because at most tournaments they do have a crèche and they'll have you yeah. know some childminders and people but you know you
0: can't <laughs> that's
1: not for us it was that's strictly was, for players
0: <laughs> that was really really tough they they've been to Eastbourne since but they could walk and talk and look after themselves a little bit more but wow that it, i think the big thing is you can't switch off Uh, we know this, when you go to work at a tournament and you leave the little one or little ones behind, you can just focus. You're back to being Naomi, the broadcaster, and you work, right? But when you take the little ones with you, as I have done, or you're doing a tournament where you're working from home and travelling back and forth, you can't switch off because you're Naomi, the broadcaster, you step through the front door and you handed a baby. (laughs) It's like, and now it's time to be mum, which is, it's wonderful, but it's, uh, and especially as elite athletes, if you're having to really be selfish and focus on yourself, that is, that is tough and you need lots of nannies. Can I say a quick hello to Grace? Because hello, recently Grace. Hello Grace. On social media she called us her number one podcast. Yay. Oh, that is sweet. And she says she's listened at least to each episode at least twice, which is something we haven't even done. No. <laughs> sure. no I don't think
1: so. Um I think I said to you the other week I was like, Do you even listen to this? <laughs>
0: And, and, and I sort of well, I I do, but not twice. The, the, not there twice. are there are some weeks when it's just, especially in the run up to Christmas, and we've got the the boys' Christmas fair today, and there's after school clubs and before school clubs coming out of my ears, and it's all going a bit mental. That I, I try to listen to it on my run, but not every week. But but Grace, I mean, do we have any? Do we have any mugs left? I'd like to send Grace a mug. I think we do. Yeah, I think we do. Um, yeah, I think. Don't you need a new mug as well? I need a new book. If you can dig okay, up some, I'll mugs, save one then, for you, and we'll get one. We'll get one out. We'll get one out to Grace. Um, you talked about British tennis is in good hands with the retirement of Johanna Konta, referring one would imagine in part to Emma Raducanu. Now I was covering. No, her ex- no, I
1: don't think she's involved. At
0: all. <laughs> I was covering her exhibition against Elena yes. Gabriella Rusa at the Royal Albert Hall. And can I just say, it's really tough, and I think. Your job when you're in the role of an analyst, it's tougher for you to commentate on an exhibition, mm, because yeah. your job as an analyst, and I was working with Claire Curran, is to analyse forehand, backhand, what they. But you don't want that slash need that really. And I mean, at one point they put up end of set stats, and I'm like,
1: we don't need those.
0: <laughs> you know, it's, it's it's an exhibition, and then and there's people, and with Raducanu. Now, this was something she agreed to before the US Open. So this was something she was always going to do. But obviously, with everything that happened at the US Open, I mean, and what I thought was amazing is for her practice, we had the the stream of of the match. She just walked out on her own. No coaches, no team, no people, no agents, no sponsors, just wandered out onto the court, met Rusa, who she's friends with they had a hit off she went again but it's uh it was great to see her back it was her first match if we call it match on UK soil since becoming US Open champion but again you know the thing that stood out to Claire and I because I say we weren't analyzing too much because it's an exhibition and she's recently been on holiday it looked like she was somewhere in or near the Maldives but it was how she adapted to the situation because a lot of every time she hit the ball you could hear the the lenses of the cameras clicking everyone there was there to see her. There were journalists there who wanted to see, did want to see how she was hitting a forehand and backhand and how she was moving. And she's not experienced exhibitions of playing to a crowd and doing this. But again, it's just how she adapted to the situation. I
1: can't... I, I mean, I, I don't think I can get across, especially to our international listeners, how ridiculous the coverage of Emirat Cardu is at the moment. OK, firstly they had Gigi on commentary, so pulling out the big guns here. So
0: <laughs> well, G- Gigi on comms, well. and you were doing it for the BBC, right? It was, it was being streamed, among others, the BBC, yeah.
1: Yes, and as well as it being streamed on the BBC, they were live reporting on it. So I was I clicked on it because I wanted to you know hear a bit bit of you of course and I, and I clicked on it and I was paying attention and there was somebody live reporting saying break of serve oh back to tight game that back to juice oh the ball kids out wow <laughs> ball kids now playing or the ball kids brokener whatever it was they were live reporting There's never been anything like that that's on the BBC they had a dedicated web page and a person Amazing. to just write down what was happening. In the match, I mean, it's one thing sort of streaming it and 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 viewing it. It is absolutely bonkers. It's bonkers. There's never been anything like that. Not for Andy. Um, I can't imagine anything else would have happened like that in in sort of the states or for any other player. This is superstar to a new level. You know, I think there's a there's a very strong and, uh, argument to say that Andy has uh, is probably been the most popular athlete we've ever had in this in this country i think you know it took him a while to get there i mean she's gone in at that level <laughs> that's unbelievable i mean andy had about 10 years of being the most hated hated person uh, athlete in the in the maybe not most hated like he was given a run for his money by a couple of others but you know what i mean i mean it was tough going for him. he had to win people over he had to lose over and over again in that australian open final and keep crying and then lose in the wimbledon final. <laughs> before he had to have the whole journey it was like watching the great british bake-off he or, or you know like the x factor he had to you had to have the wow, backstory there's to, a comparison no, but you know you know <laughs> you know what i mean like to win over the the audience to win over the british public you've got to go from sort of you know oh, all these trials and tribulations and the tears oh, i'm getting closer and all of those things all those memorable moments and then win Wimbledon and then the the British public were just putty in his hands and he has been an absolute superstar since Uh, winning the US Open people were yeah they were like okay great well done Right? You know, come on, let's take it seriously. I mean, he definitely had a bit of a boost. Um, But it, of course, was winning Wimbledon. For Emma, she won the US Open. As I say, she's gone in at the level that Andy Murray's been at for the last five years. No trials, no tribulations. And
0: she's taken to it like a duck to water. Yes, we've said, and we'll say again, you've got to give her time because there will be those that found out about her during the US Open that want to see results and want to see her winning every match. And, And those in the industry and close to her saying, give her time. She's still young. She's just turned 19. But everything she takes on, whether it was the exhibition, whether it was the interview afterwards, how she's handling herself when she's not playing. She's not, and I know she's got people around her and there are people advising her. And these are people, a lot of whom that you know and you say that they are good people and they will help her. But just the way, again, the way she and Gabriella, Elena Gabriella Russa, I've, I've got to say she was brilliant. I don't know how many exhibitions she's played in, but. She knew that Emma Raducanu was very new to this. So she was doing things like, oh, I've been told to hit to your forehand or how about me winning a point and this is getting embarrassing. You know, she really, she worked to the crowd, she helped and she drew Emma into what was an unusual situation. But again, once Emma Raducanu had, had settled, it's like she'd be doing those for years. And I know there were people watching that because they wanted to see the forehand, the backhand. the. But you know something interesting that I was speaking about with Claire Curran is... We know the Emma Radicani. She's got she's got a great game. Of course it's gonna develop. She's still so young, but she likes that big one that big one strike tennis, you know, big serve, the follow up off the serve. And we were talking about Torben Belst and what he'll bring to her, her new coach. And look, he was he was in charge of one of the best counter punches we have seen on the WTA side of things. So Claire Curran said, you know, it's frightening. He's gonna add something that she doesn't have. This is this is frighteningly good. What and clever the appointment of Torben Belts when people were saying he's got experience of the tour but look at the player he's got experience of and what he can add to the Radicanu game because and Claire Curran was saying you know she's so clever with coaches she 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 gets a coach and she soaks up from them what they have and what they can offer to build her game and you feel like she's doing this with the addition of Belts and and what he can what he can bring to her
1: I, uh, well like I said at the time just a fantastic a- a- appointment and I was relieved because people get it wrong a lot um and uh you know as much as I was confident that she was going to get it right um it really was just you know when we found out about it it was yes I get it I see it I think it's going to work uh look I'm not saying she's going to win multiple slams next year I've got no idea but um in terms of the continued development of her game and somebody to be really grounded and steady the ship. You know, he's just so calm, but very positive. It's just, it's the right sort of balance. You know, there are some coaches that are very, very intense. And it's just not what she needs because, actually most coaches are like that. It's very hard to not be. Um, It's not what she needs because, you know, She brings that level. She's so demanding of her coaches. She's saying, you know, right, I want to do this, this. this. She's in charge. She doesn't need somebody to be really intense. You know, she needs somebody to, to really keep things nice and level. So, yeah, no, absolutely, absolutely thrilled with her. And just a shout out to the venue, right? Because if anybody's not seen the Royal Albert Hall, it's definitely worth Googling. It's not... A sports venue, <laughs> it's, a, it's a music uh, venue. It's a hall. There's a giant organ at one end. When I say giant, I mean the the, the, ho- the whole wall. Oh, giant! I mean, yeah, enormous. The enormous. whole the whole side yeah. is taken up by this huge organ. It, it, it's for you know concerts, for orchestras, for all this sort of thing. And to play tennis in that environment, I mean, I've been there a couple of times to to watch uh, to watch this event. It's uh, great. It really it? is. It really is so cool.
0: It takes less than twenty four hours to. Um, change it from, let's call it a music venue to a sport, international sporting venue. It takes something like 13 and a half hours to lay the floor. It involves something like, I read this, a few thousand screws or the plywood that's laid down. They have to remove rows of seating. I mean, it's, it's incredible how, and, and sadly, it's the last year it's going to be held though. I know. That's, it's, you know, it's really sad. It, it's a great event. Yeah. It was the Masters event. So the senior's on tour and this year, I mean, and by the way, I saw a side of Nicolas Almagro I never knew existed. <laughs> um, I, we we just kept saying, and again, commentating on, it, it's not so much exhibition, but it. I just, I've never, Nicolas Almagro, I, I've only ever seen him scowl. He was laughing, he was showing his bottom to the opponents to get them to hit it with balls. I mean, Gen- David Ferrer, he still couldn't quite shake the intensity of, of David Ferrer. <laughs> they'd, be, they'd be playing a rally, it had gone on for a while, and then you sort of saw that look in his eye and he's like, no, no, we we got to do it. We got to win this. Yeah, um, exactly. But Nicholas Almagro, I mean, he was the life and soul. But no, it was it was a lot of fun. So I have to ask you, how are you going to be enjoying your off season? Because you're officially in your off season. Are you going to the Maldives?
1: Well, yeah, I'm gonna gonna pop over there for a bit. I'm gonna
0: <laughs> spend uh,
1: some time with the little man. Lovely. Uh, working on the forehand particularly. Good, but, excellent. Uh, Good. You know, that's <laughs> that sort of thing. I'm just gonna rest. I mean, we're absolutely exhausted at the end of this season. It's been extraordinary. But try and catch up with a few people, rest, um, do some Christmassy things. It'll be over before you know it. That's just how it goes. Um,
0: and then, yeah, look forward to
1: look forward to the Australian swing.
0: Well, one thing I can say that's been progress in 2021 is it was my birthday this week. And I think I've mentioned in the past how my eldest, the eldest of the twins, has this thing when when he's on my birthday, when he's around parents from school he yells out my age I mean why he just has this he just can't help himself he just screams out the number I'm like oh god I can report back that this year he just yelled it out once so I think it's progress it's progress there was there was one parent in the vicinity I think she probably heard I was like why why do we do this why why do you have to do every year and I'm getting older so progress so this year, right? That is so, progress. Well, I'll say happy birthday. Progress. I have said happy birthday you. to you on yeah, other you days. Yeah, you know you have happy yeah. birthday. I just don't yell out my age following that. But right, so you enjoy um, close season for today. spending time with little man. I've got the boys' Christmas fair today, so it's okay. and we have got the Christmas tree arriving today. So Christmas oh, officially wow. action packed. Yeah, Christmas officially kind of starts starts today. So exciting! No, I'm looking I've got a wreath
1: up. You'll be pleased to know. Have you I've got a wreath? Are, are
0: you getting a tree?
1: No. No, no. Got a wreath up ga- and I'll put some lights up for you. Am I going to have to send you another tree? You're not doing a tree. I'll have to do a tree <sighs> next year. But not Come this. We're going to enjoy our last year without having to do a tree. And then when he's from when he's two, we'll have one.
0: How many people say I'm going to enjoy my last year without a tree? That is just not a sentence <laughs> I've ever heard before. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to enjoy my last year without a tree. Right, on that note, I can't have this. My tree's coming today. <laughs> um, okay, sorry. Have, have a sorry. Lov- have a lovely week. I'm going to feel festo. I'm going to put on some Christmas music. Enjoy the weekend. And um, I'm sure there'll be an awful lot to talk about in a week's time. Enjoy your tree decorating. Thank you very much. Bye. Bye.